Introducing a video element on the Ethos Lakers podcast. JC, it has been a minute since you and I have been able to get together. You've been doing your thing. I've been doing my thing. We've been doing things in between on the show. But since we've been able to sit together and enjoy this, it's been a little while. And after two big road wins for the Lakers, coming off those victories in Boston and in New York, respectively, we've said it's time. Let's sit down. Let's do the damn thing. What is going on, man? How you doing? And can the Lakers finally use some momentum here to turn this around and start to get past that 500 mark? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, and it, you know, seems to, there's been some unfortunate injury news as has been the case for the Lakers all season. Um, but oh, man. They, they may have stumbled into some rotation things at work. Like I know we've been, fans have been begging Darvin Ham to put Rui in the starting lineup and kind of by, oh. by, op, by, by lack of choices, he put him in the start, starting lineup and it paid dividends. I mean, honestly, and people are, you know, obviously we're pleading for people to be able to get Vanderbilt more minutes and more momentum in the crowd for more minutes, everything going right for Jared Vanderbilt, everything progressing in the right direction, even on the cusp of rejoining that starting lineup and the Lakers using that lineup that was so successful last season in the playoffs. And then he has this foot injury to the other foot, JC, to the other foot. And that's the more concerning thing here. It's not like it's just an aggravation. This is just a new injury now. And so with Woj saying that it's potentially season ending, there's so much going on around the Lakers. There's the LeBron trade narrative. There's can the Lakers finally use momentum. There's a trade deadline. But since we're talking Vando, let's start there, JC. Let's build up the momentum. Vanderbilt, there is no one on this Lakers roster who does what Jared Vanderbilt does. Plain and simple, he is their best wing defender. And after he worked so hard to finally get healthy, because he started from a deficit, right? He wasn't healthy in the preseason. He wasn't healthy to start the regular season. You could tell he wasn't really confident when he came back, wasn't maybe trusting that injury. Finally, in the last handful of games, maybe a few more, had started to get going. And now he finds himself on the sidelines indefinitely. This forces the Lakers' hand, JC, I think, ahead of the trade deadline. The question is, what position do you target in order to fulfill it? A lot of talk around guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal. But there's reports out there that, you know, they were offered two first rounds – two, excuse me, two first-round picks for Dorian Finney-Smith and said, no, nah, we're good. So, I mean, if that's the case, I don't think a player like that is going to be able to just magically occur from thin air. But where do the Lakers go from here? It's, I mean, yeah, you obviously have to pivot. I don't think DeJounte Murray could be the focus, although he could be a more defensively impactful player than D'Angelo Russell has been. Vanderbilt, like you said, nobody else could do what he did. He he could guard wings. He could guard forwards. Defensively, you might think of a shift towards a guy like Alex Caruso, but Alex Caruso can't guard forwards. He's too small. He can definitely guard guards, though. And so I think if a defensive shift is going to be your priority, I think I think it's an easy pivot to go to to Alex Caruso because the nice thing about Alex Caruso, he's not going to cost you anything big. Like I don't think you'd have to to go giving up D'Lo in that situation. I think you could go the first round pick and maybe your young guys. JHS hasn't been great, but he's still an unproven prospect, so he's there's potential there. 
Same with Maxwell. That, is, that yeah. is that is I don't mean to cut you off, but that is the <laughs> nicest way I have ever heard someone talk about JHS yeah. in his rookie season and saying, you know, he hasn't been great, but there's a lot of potential there because that boy has been damn near awful to yeah. him. And the fact that he was picked ahead of Cam Whitmore really looks some type of way right now. But let's not get on a tangent. Please continue. Yeah. But yeah, so you know, young guys like that, the the, the Bulls are going to be in a position to rebuild. So you rebuild with young guys, and you know, yeah. JHS is a young guy, Maxwell Lewis is a young guy. You've got the 29 first round pick, so the Lakers don't have to give up the farm to if their only prospect is to get Alex Caruso back. But yeah, and you could also replicate Jared Vanderbilt in the form of two to three different players and Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith and whatever third piece the Nets might give up. So that's what I think your focus or your your pivot should be. Dejounte Murray, I think, would be nice, but I think I think the pivot should be elsewhere. I think Murray's a little bit probably has to be considered a little bit of a luxury right now, right? I, and I don't think the Lakers are not also they don't find themselves to be in a position. D'Angelo Russell has been playing well, save mm-hmm. for the last couple of games offensively, you know, where he has struggled in terms of his offensive efficiency. But overall, he has been playing well. And I don't know that the Lakers get better by just changing things up either, right? As good as DeJounte Murray in a vacuum is, I think maybe the idea of Murray is a little bit more appealing than the reality of integrating him moving forward, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, I'm not as inclined to push as hard on that front, but it's the wing defense for me that is an important part. And just to go back to Chicago for a second, JHS, assuming Lonzo Ball does come back next season, right? I mean, he seems to be on the road to recovery here. It's been such a weird and tragic, for lack of a better word, journey for him. I mean, it's just been awful in terms of what he's been able to sustain during his Bulls tenure. But JHS, if he were to wind up in Chicago, that actually wouldn't be the worst mentor for him. I feel like he might be able to learn some things from Lonzo. And at the same time, I feel like, you know, for the Lakers, you know, Caruso and LeBron have a chemistry on the court. I don't care what anyone says, right? Even I think they would tell you as much. So, you know, I I think that's that's a nice option for sure. I'm curious how, I guess I'm curious how aggressive the Lakers are in terms of what they're shopping because, yeah, they have a first-round pick available, and yeah, they could trade D'Angelo Russell or they could trade Rui Hachimura, but I don't really think they even could trade Rui Hachimura right now given Vanderbilt's injury. So I'm not sure how many avenues the Lakers truly have to improve, and I think they might also value holding on to that first-round pick until they can move multiple first-round picks together and then go get something even larger because that would give them more flexibility moving into the offseason and things like that. So perhaps that's an avenue that they explore if they don't find anything that's just immediately something that's going to, boom, transform the team in the intern. Especially because what what magic bullet is there that's out there? I like the Caruso idea. I think it's a fun thing for fans as well. I don't have a certain feel in terms of which direction they might go, but it feels like, you know, they should be involved. I saw a report today that P.J. Washington and the Clippers, there might be something there. I'm not saying the Lakers should go after PJ Washington, but start thinking about other guys who aren't necessarily being mentioned in trade talks. One thing the Lakers have done very well is when they have been active in the market, they've kept it kind of quiet in terms of, in terms of until the last moment, right? When it starts to break. So all this rumored stuff, especially with the Levine stuff, and just to end this, you know, sort of rant on the Lakers and the Bulls and trade possibilities. I feel so bad for the Bulls and Bulls fans all the lost money between Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, and the sunken investments in that backcourt. If I were to sit here two years ago and tell you that Kobe White 
was going to be the best part of the Bulls backcourt that featured Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine, we'd be like, dude, I'm, I don't know if he should be on this podcast, but I, I think that might be the case right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wow. It's wild, man. Wild. So in terms of the Lakers and trade season, it feels like a natural segue into the whole LeBron chatter, JC. I know I have a lot to say on this particular topic. I'm just going to start by saying this, and I'll throw it to you for your thoughts. Genie Bus for me, I'm just going to say it flat and simple. There is no way that Genie Bus is ever going to be the Lakers' owner that traded LeBron James away from the brand. There is just no chance of that ever happening. Point blank, period. I do not see that ever manifesting in reality. So I just feel like this is so far-fetched, but I would love to hear your thoughts and we can continue to chat on this for a little bit because, yeah, I got a lot to say. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to LeBron being traded, the Laker, that's the one possible trade scenario in which the Lakers would hold all of the leverage. Because if you're wanting to trade for LeBron, it's because you're desperate. Like, the only team I can think of that might be desperate enough is Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Joel Embiid just had the surgery, or he's about to have the surgery on his knee. Could still come back this season, but Philadelphia's still a really good team. So Philadelphia could be, they could maybe convince LeBron to come back to the East. The East is a little bit easier path than the West. Philadelphia's window is closing with every Joel Embiid injury. And, you know, granted LeBron isn't exactly, isn't exactly young, but Philadelphia is the only team I think could be, could be desperate enough. They could call the Lakers and be like, look, whatever you want with the exception of Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, whatever you want, you can have all we want is LeBron. And that's really the only team. So that's, it's not going to happen. I mean, it's so it's it's such a it's such an interesting conversation to me because it's not an interesting conversation. Right. <laughs> what I mean by that, like the, the concept of this, it's so good for everybody to discuss, right? We're discussing it because you know we're obligated to, honestly, because that's what it is. But in terms of the ESPN media machine and creating content and capitalizing on quotes, I mean, I saw on Instagram the other day that they're posting quotes from LeBron, you know, in 2010 when he decided not to join the Knicks as if it's like new and presentable information. Like, oh, the Lakers are playing the Knicks tonight. Let's make sure we get that out there on social media and just to create that conversation. Any team, to your point, and it's like near impossible to find a fit, right? But any team that is saying, okay, well, we're going to welcome LeBron. What are you going to trade from your team? You have to trade something good. And it's not like LeBron makes a little bit of money. He makes a lot of bit of money. So you have to balance the salaries and, and, and the value of those first round picks is going to be nothing. So what are you going to do in terms of offering picks, right? The Lakers aren't going to be like, oh, we'll take three first round picks that are going to be the worst picks in the draft. Like even though those are, those are assets, they're limited in what their potential could be just mm-hmm. in terms of their, their optionality, right? In terms of that, that draft currency. So for me, it's one of those things where I, I just literally cannot see anything. Like one of my one of my buddies in our group chat, he goes, you know, well, you could do like Wiggins and Kaminga and two first round picks. And I was like, first of all, ugh, no. <laughs> and then second of all, and I and I and I love you, Jay, and you know that. But second, but se- but second of all, you know, then he goes, all right, well, Gar, you know, let's send LeBron back to Cleveland, right? Garland, Mobley, and two first round picks. And while the talent isn't bad. It's just another example of how there is no deal where you feel like this makes any sense for the Lakers short term, long term yeah. business. There is just make there is no plausible scenario. And then and it, I, I appreciate. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go I was ahead. gonna say, and, and it's not just like that scenario. It's also like LeBron. I think would want to do right by the Lakers and try to give the Lakers something back. And 
in terms of like just simply a pure good fit for LeBron, like San mm. Antonio doesn't run pick and rolls for Wemby. Nobody passes Wemby the ball. If LeBron That's was in San crazy. Antonio, yeah, if LeBron was in San Antonio, he would he would make Wemby the next AD, but he would be miserable in San Antonio. And San Antonio yeah. also doesn't have the assets to give back to the Lakers, so it's another no go because right. there's just both sides. There's nothing there. It's wow. Imagine that. That was fun to imagine for a quick second there. Yeah. I, lo- I love that thought. Yeah, I know that's near and dear to you too. So it's it's like it's one of those things for me where it just it's 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 great for the media fodder. The reality of it is not. I appreciate LeBron coming out through his agent, of course, saying that hey, uh, this is not going to happen. We're we're not in this to be traded. Yada yada yada. Which just you know, for a lot of people who just seek the confirmation bias, it's, oh, this means he's got to be traded for sure, right? Like, that's just that's the, ev- the evidence that everybody needs. But I appreciate that. I-, I wish there was a strong leadership in the locker room sometimes, locally, behind closed doors, but that's a whole different story. As far as LeBron getting traded, it's not going to happen. Lakers are going to move forward, LeBron and AD. If LeBron does return to the Lakers for a 22nd season next year, the Lakers have to build this team in – in, with their mind knowing that LeBron at best can be the third best player on this team. They, mm-hmm. That is the blueprint moving forward. They cannot continue to rely on LeBron as number one or number two player on any given night. And I think in retrospect, that is something that the Lakers didn't emphasize enough as fans. Fans didn't think about that as analysts, probably not enough thought into that. Everybody, because he is so superhuman, we just expect this. And Honestly, he has delivered for the most part. But in terms of being a proactive build, right, that's, I feel like, the better model to go forward with. And anything he would give you would just be an absolute bonus. But the Lakers are going to have to start thinking about this if they have not already because that time is going to come very, very soon. And I think on some nights, JC, this season, despite his amazing numbers, we have seen that on a couple of occasions. Yeah, and – the the Lakers have to think about what their core is going to be. And at this point, the way he's been playing lately, Austin Reeves is a part of your core. So you may not he may not be a big three, but you know, the way he's been playing offensive offense lately, it lightens the load for AD, makes lets him focus on defense more. The chemistry with LeBron, we've talked about nonstop ever since Austin Reeves was a rookie. So yeah, he's got to figure and then you got to figure out how to build around your core of those three and maybe Max Christie. The way you've let Caruso go, the way you've let other people go, like don't make the mistake of letting Christie go because he's showing tons of potential. Preach, man. I literally, during the game last night, I, I shout. I was shouting his praises. Blocked two, jump, I, two jump shots. I mean, I mean, it was crazy. And the dis, the, the and he had the and one from, from three. I know he missed three, the free yeah. throw. But, but still, he still nailed the three with that focus. And what I love Christ about to dunk Max everything Chris, when he gets the ball. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, great. I love having that problem as a fan, as a coach, as whatever. I love having that. You're too aggressive. Great. I would love to have that problem, you know? And the fact that he's still so young, he's still so coachable. He wants to play defense. He wants to be out there for the right reasons. He wants to impact the game. He's always been confident, which I appreciate. Even in his rookie season, when he did get out there in limited spurts, he played confidently. He didn't play with a hesitance. And I love that about him. I said last night during the game, I said, please do not give up on this kid. He is going to be special. I really believe that the things he is doing defensively already at such a young age and the ability for his offense to develop as he gets into his early and mid mid twenties, I really feel like he could be one of those Lakers players who develops. And I don't know what his ceiling will be JC, but I, I really want to be there 
and be rooting for that ceiling when it does come around, because I think it's going to be a really cool one to observe. Yeah, for sure. You know, so whatever the Lakers do going into Thursday, no Max Christie talks. Let's get that off the table. Now we have to talk about the Lakers play JC as we transition into, I mean, I'm hesitant to say anything about being above or below 500 because it seems like no matter what, they always seem to just come right back to that center mark of 500. LeBron said it after a game recently. He said, look, on any given night, we could beat any team in the league by 30. And given night, any team in the league could beat us by 30. And it really does feel that way with this team. The last two games have been an exception, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so going back to about a week ago, that's when the Lakers beat the Warriors in that just unbelievable double overtime game. Candidate for game of the year, in my opinion, not just Lakers game of the year, but in the whole NBA. I mean, it was just a phenomenal game. The way Steph hit that three toward the end, LeBron gets fouled, winds up hitting both free throws, seals the deal. But then the Lakers go and get trounced two games in a row on the road. I mean, they just, they come out completely flat afterwards. We say, if the Lakers were going to use anything as a momentum, as a turning point, it felt like that was going to be the game, right? That was such a big win. So they come out and they just get trounced two games in a row. Then they go into Boston. Everyone, myself included, like, no way. No LeBron, no AD. Celtics have lost two games at home all year. There's, I mean, no way, right? Celtics, Lakers, Lakers, Celtics. Yes. <laughs> and what do they do? Shock the world. I mean, just play with this heart and hustle and intensity. It was such – it was a classic. The Lakers just played harder. The Celtics saw that AD and LeBron were out and said, ah, we got this in the bag. And the Lakers just outworked them. And to the Celtics' credit after the game, they didn't make any excuses. They gave the Lakers credit. They said, hey, we were not ready. They just wanted it more. They outplayed us. They outworked us, right? But then for the Lakers to come out in the second game in New York a couple of days later – beat the Knicks. I know the Knicks are without some guys right now, without Randall, without OG Ananobi. And I know especially Ananobi has made a huge difference. Obviously, Randall is, you know, despite what Brunson has done for that team, none of that happens without Randall being there. you got to start somewhere. So give that man his flowers. Uh, they're always going to be a fan of Julius, right? And the Lakers go out and they beat the Knicks and they play good defense against the Celtics and the Knicks. And that has been the most impressive part, especially in the wake of Jared Vanderbilt's injury against the Knicks. So that is my hope is that the Lakers can sustain this level of defensive effort because what will flow from that is an improved offensive effort as well. Just keep up that effort and no one's going to be mad at the results. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the things like, like the only reason we're entertaining all the trade talk is because one it's out there and two, the Lakers record is horrendous. Like I've been on the record. If Darvin Ham could figure out this roster, I don't even really think you need a trade, but he clearly hasn't figured out the roster. Right. And so either you need to give him something oh. for him to figure out, or, I mean, it seems like he's going to be in here for the long haul. So, I mean, he's got to figure out the puzzle to this roster. I mean, listen, JC, I'm, I'm not that I'm, you know, going to sit here and be a Darvin Ham stand, but at the same time, like, what is going to happen from firing Darvin Ham? The players are the same. You can't fire the players. You're going to fire the coach. Who's going to come in and coach his team? and suddenly turn them around. It's going to be a miracle built over here. There is no – Phil Jackson is not walking through that door, right? Like, it's just – it's not that kind of – like, Derek Fisher is not going to go from Crespi's bench to, to the Lakers' bench. Like, it's not going to happen. So, Derek Fisher coaching Matt Barnes' twin boys and Crespi's high school head coach is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just wild. As someone who officiates 
on the high school basketball scene and baseball scene out here. That is just, it is wild to watch. Anyway, that's a whole different, that's a whole different chapter of the show. <laughs> and before I forget, and we get any further, as we talk about Darvin Ham, thinking about people who have food as last name items, fruit of the week, JC <laughs> goes out to the Mexican fruit carts, all of them and everything that they offer to this world. That is something that I just absolutely love guilty pleasure, but not even a guilty pleasure because it's healthy, right? Just, you know, a normal amount of tahini after all, and we're good to go. All right. Now that we had that moment, the starting lineup under Darvin Ham, obviously JC has been heavily criticized. It seemed like Jared Vanderbilt was about to be back in that starting lineup, about to be back to what we all have begged for for so long. Now it feels like Rui's going to be in there. D'Angelo, Reeves, Rui, LeBron, AD. Any reason to change it from this point moving forward? I don't think Torian Prince should get another start for the rest of the season as long as yeah. Rui Hachimura is available. He he even and came almost, out after the game. Uh, he even came out after right. the game and said he liked Thank playing you. with the energy of the second unit, almost as if he was saying, like, for whatever reason, Darvin Ham clearly loves Torian Prince. And it's almost as if Torian was telling Darvin through the media, no, let me play with the second unit, please. Stop starting me. I, th- I think Darvin, also as an ex-player, I think he, like, he gravitates toward veterans as well. It's like, it's very similar to Doc Rivers. I don't know if it's as exaggerated because Doc Rivers like, yeah, I feel like you've got to have almost AARP card to play for Doc Rivers. I'm just playing. But at the same time, like he just gravitates and shies away from those younger players, especially rookies. But Darvin Ham is, I, I have noticed him to be similar. I understand the idea of the steadying veteran, but you're paying Rui Hachimura $17 million a year. He's been in the league for a while. Wait, I have a secret for everybody. Rui Hachimura is actually a veteran as well. So you can put him in that same role and allow him to cook. Rui plays well with LeBron. He trained with him all summer. He trained with him during the offseason. They have a chemistry there. They're able to do it. And Torian Prince, to your point, when he comes in with the second unit, he's able to cook a little bit more, right? Because he's not, not just standing in the corner and waiting for things to happen. He's able to do things. And when Torian gets into the lane a little bit, is able to lay up a couple shots, then the three start going in with more pace and more, uh, you know, more regularly. I mean, that's, that's like anybody. The more that you see something being successful, the more successful, the more success you're going to have in the long run with it. So that's, yeah, that's sure. a change. I think it's an easy one to make. And, to, and in terms of if you had to make a prediction, JC, you absolutely had to make a prediction in terms of from now to the time of the Lakers trade deadline. Do the, so two questions. Do the Lakers make a move? And if they do, or regardless whether they do or don't, who do you want to see them go pursue? And I know one of those players is Alex Caruso. But if you have a second one, you can let us know. Um, I mean, I've thought about it a lot. I mean, besides Alex Caruso, I can't really think of – the backup center thing has been weird because the minutes between Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes have been so sporadic. And Jackson Hayes has actually played well recently. and He's mm-hmm. developing a little bit of chemistry with LeBron. And that's kind of been, I think, their biggest hindrance is those two's lack of development with LeBron. And the fact that they've been playing better is a is a good sign. But Christian Wood had had a stretch where he was playing really good, and then all of a sudden now he's back to DNP CDs, and we don't know why. Jackson Hayes is getting more minutes, and when Christian Wood was playing really well four four or five games ago, um, mm-hmm. so I think you've got to figure out if you if you're not going to figure out a consistent backup center, then trade for one. And I mean, I know we've been down the Andre Drummond path before, but he's. You know, still available now, and I think you know. Second, While we're like talking about Howard Caruso, might as well yeah. throw him in too. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think a backup center like Drummond, I think would be good. 
maybe he would have a better relationship with him than he did Frank Vogel. So that's the only other really possibility out there is if not Drummond and other, some other type of backup center that can play alongside AD. I wonder how bad Gabe Benton's knee injury is like in terms of, is he going to come back this season? Because if the Lakers are of mind that Gabe Vincent will not be back at all this season and of mine and Jared Vanderbilt will not be back at all this season, then I'm not convinced that just one player, no matter who they are, is going to make a difference, right? They may actually need to upgrade at, at multiple spots. So what I would like to see is I, I do think the Lakers try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat on this one. I do think the Lakers try and make a move. I do think they will be active in conversations. I don't think that they will be um, reticent or hesitant to offer players in the right deal, but I don't think they're just going to, overstretch or stretch themselves too thin in an effort to do something that is not going to change the ceiling of this team because although it is urgent for this team to win because it might be LeBron's last year, AD is in his prime, all the usual narratives at the same time the Lakers do have a responsibility to the franchise to consider the long term as well as they move forward into an era, area uh, an era of not necessarily uncertainty but an era of non-LeBron domination and what is to come from that. So that's yeah. where I think the Lakers find themselves in, in, in the short term and the long term. And in the interim, JC, hopefully the Lakers can get back to those winning ways because if they can just win five out of every six from this point moving forward, they will find themselves in the postseason instead of the play-in tournament. And really that's the only thing that matters. Yeah, the thing that helps is that while they are ninth, below them is a pretty wide gap. So like there's I mean, you obviously can go down, but there's really nowhere to go but up from from the Lakers standpoint. And I mean, back to the trading deadline again, I think, you know, I always say that when there's so much smoke that in a trading rumor that eventually that doesn't end up happening for a while, it seemed like DeJounte Murray was a certainty. The smoke has gone on so long that it hasn't happened yet. It's making me think that it's not going to happen anymore. And so just like last year. I do think at the last minute it'll be a surprising trade that we can't even think of. Like we we, we couldn't have even have con- concepted of Jared Vanderbilt and De- D'Angelo Russell and the trade that happened last year. Like it wasn't even a thought. And so I think that's what might end up happening. Whatever whatever weird scenario that we can't be thinking of might end up happening. That's that's my that's my read on it as well. Whatever does wind up happening, it will not be something that's rumored. If Zach Levine were healthy. I don't think it would be something like that, right? I don't think it's something that everybody wants to talk about on the internet. I do think it would be something that would kind of kind of sort of come out of left field, for lack of a better way to say it, and allow the Lakers to upgrade in a way that nobody else had thought about except those people working on that trade. JC, any last parting thoughts? This has been a new thing for us to be on video together. I like yeah. it. It's nice to interact in this format, you know? It feels a lot more personal. Hopefully our listeners who are able to make their transition to video are able to make that transition with us and are able to consume it you know, that way. Of course, the audio will always be available to those who prefer the audio and the smooth, dulcet sounds of both JC and I's voice. Final words, my friend? No, yeah, this is a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's, I, you know, it's nice to see the view counts on the YouTube, uh, view, uh, YouTube videos. So that's pretty nice. No real, no real idea how many people listen on the audio podcast, but like this is an episode that'll be uploaded to the audio as well. The game recaps that I've been doing are a little more visual, so I didn't do audios of those. But yeah, this is this is a nice, uh, fun addition. All right, man. I look forward to the next time as well. Hopefully, the Lakers can keep win, win, win. So the recaps stay hot, and the overall analysis remains positive. But we all deserve that optimism in our lives. Until next time, 
We out. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.